Bernstein's big band. Let's give Lenny and his band a big hand. Let's go, gang. Atta boy, Lenny. That's... Hey! <laughs> yes, sir, Lenny, you were great tonight. What a Socko show. And speaking of Socko shows, ladies and gentlemen, fellow sufferers, wherever you might be, out there on the yellow brick road, <laughs> searching for that emerald city of ecstasy, here he is, the man who's found it, the man who's coming to you direct from the heart of where it could happen. <laughs> the limelight. Here he is, your friend and mine, Gene Shepherd. Hi, gang. Well, I'll have to do something about that announcer. I don't like these flowery phrases. You know, <laughs> uh, for the benefit of those of you who do not keep up with current events, I had a lot of time to do it this past week. I was on an airplane. And I think traveling on airplanes in the mid-20th century is a very special thing. There's no time. You really are not connected with the century anymore. You look down and you see that country going by under you. Just unreal. Do you know that in the plane that I traveled in, they have done away with looking out of the window? Oh yeah, nobody looks out of the window in this plane. They've got a special television set that picks up in black and white the scene you're passing over. Most people are so involved with TV and with a little frame seat that unless they see it on TV, it doesn't really happen. <laughs> it's not real, you know. And I felt like a klutz. I'm looking out of the window, see, and I see all this stuff go by. I look back on the TV screen, there it goes by again. You know, and I want to jump up and say, hey, fellas, they got it in color over here. <laughs> I sit there, you know. Well, that's all part of the world, and I'm sitting in this plane. You know, it's a great, it's a great, there's a great thing that brings out the phony in all of us when we're in airplanes. How many guys, when you're in an airplane, you're flying from here to Chicago or to Pittsburgh, and you walk back, this stewardess says, your seat is 7F, sir. You take a look at her. <laughs> you know, and you walk on back, and you, you get this look. You try to make your eyes wrinkled around the edges. Like you're an old fighter pilot. You know that bit? You sit down there and she says, and then she comes past and she says, fashion your safety belt. You say, oh. That's all right, baby. I've been through hell. <laughs> yep. I missed a joystick. Outside of that, it'll be all right. And if he has any trouble up in front, just give me a call. And you sit there and inside is this mass of fear. Your guts are turning inside out, and this chick is pouring coffee, walking back. <laughs> well, you know, this is all part of that whole business of flying, and so we get up off the ground, and we take out over Queens. 
Queens from the air is magnificent, friends. From the air. And we headed out west across the country, and they had this, this lounge. Now, this is first class, see? I'm going on the company. They're paying for my ticket, see? And the first class guys also, there's a very special crowd that lives in the first class thing. He knows what I have to look at him. <laughs> He's a first class passenger. And you always have this feeling, you know, about what's going on back in steerage. <laughs> You can hear babies crying, you know, little old ladies being sick. You know, somehow you want them to close that door. Close that door. We're up here in the front here. You know, there's a, there's a basic officer drive in each one of us. You sit up there in the front, you know, and, and the beautiful part of first class is it's never filled. You got empty seats. And you can put your feet up like this, you know, over here like that. Put them up like that. Sit. It's the officers, living it up big. Well, I go back to the lounge. For those of you who only travel tourists, you don't know what they got up there in front. <laughs> they got this lounge, see? And it's got circular seats looking out at the world, which is the last thing that a first-class passenger wants to see. You sit there, and the chick brings you drinks. What a feeling. And the captain says, this is Captain Cutteridge. I want to welcome you to American Airlines flight number 6SJ7. We are cruising at 27,000 feet. We are now over Xenia, Ohio. You get the sick feeling. Hometown, you know. Boy, if they could see me here. And uh, if there's anything that we can give you here as you're traveling along, just don't hesitate to let us know. By the way, when is the day coming when they're going to sell advertising time on that? And uh, this is Captain Gutteridge with a word about L&M, friends. Uh, <laughs> it'd be just perfect, you know. Have you seen your Allstate man lately? <laughs> he will be passing among you in a few moments. <laughs> Yeah, have you ever had that feeling, you know, when you walk into the, into the East Side Airline terminals, they've got this insurance machine there, and it says, it has all these little different categories, you know, it says 50 cents, 75 cents. You can choose how much your life is worth. A dollar. You know, go all the way out, you know, a dollar. And you fill out the thing, and you throw it into the slot, and somehow you feel it's okay now. You've taken care of it. It's not going to happen. Well, I'm sitting in the front of this lounge. Let me tell you the, the, the almost totally surrealistic things that happen in an airplane. This is a true story. <laughs> Rottenness is everywhere. It's just, no wonder we have wars. <laughs> All right, smart guy. <laughs> I'm sitting in the front. Now, this, this is, this is a, I looked at my friend. We both, we both went through this scene. We couldn't believe it because it was such a classic moment. We're sitting in the front seat there, you know, in this beautiful lounge. There's just three of us. My buddy, who is taking his first airplane flight of his life, and he's just sitting. 
you know. And we're in the first class. I, of course, I'm an old veteran flyer. I've flown to Cleveland. And <laughs> I once went to Washington on a shuttle flight. Now, let's see. So I'm sitting there with my martini, and I've got this beard. The beautiful thing about a beard is you can be anything. You've got a beard, you can be anything from a demonstrator to a UN. <laughs> you can go any direction, you know, whatever's happening, you're it, you know, you can have a sign, you know. I carry, by the way, a little, about 20 folding signs in my wallet. Telescoping signs, I just put it up, you know. My best one simply says, how long? <laughs> I've got another good one that says, when? Another one says, why? You know, all kinds of angry signs. And I'm sitting there in the front of this plane, looking out the window. Jimmy McAleer, my buddy, is sick. And in comes a man, the typical first-class passenger. First-class passengers, man for man, outweigh tourist-class people. <laughs> I mean, it's all those drinks and those toasted almonds. It's that expense account, you know, and all that stuff is big, and you know, a big gentleman sits down. That kind, you know, that's got that imperious snap like that. He goes, immediately, free stewardess. Come over, yes, sir, yes, sir. He says, I'll have uh, Benedictine. <laughs> Benedictine? You know, they serve seven up and little things, come in little bottles, you know. He says, yeah, bring it on. And she brings him this drink. And the three of us are now sailing out over Indiana. Well, you don't tip your hand. You don't jump up and say, hey, there's Ma down there, hey! You're playing it big, you're in the first class, and it's going nonstop, remember, this plane is going nonstop to San Francisco. That's a great moment. Standing in the, in the airline's terminal, and they're calling these little planes, a plane for Allentown, Redding, and Harrisburg is loading at gate 429. Back there where they're burning the garbage. That one's over there. And you see all these shoe salesmen scurrying up. <laughs> Come on, you can applaud. It's all right. By the way, for those of you who are wondering, tonight is shoe salesman night here in the village. And, and then there's the other, you know, there's the great moment when they call the real planes. A non-stop plane for Rome, Karachi, and Points East. You know, that kind of non-stop to San Francisco, the Golden Arrow flight, is now boarding. And do you know that in these big cross-country flights, they've even separated it down so fine that they let the poor old steerage class on first. They don't want to offend the tourist people by seeing these first class men sitting back there in the corner. And the guy comes over and he says, uh, you people, first class, you just wait here. We're letting the others on first. We're stacking them up in there, you know. Just don't pay any attention if you're crying or anything like that. It's all right. We take care of it. We have a rubber truncheon we deal with them. Because already we're getting real snotty, you know. And you know the new airplanes, if you haven't flown in a big jet before, you don't walk up any longer. You know the bit where you walk up the 
little thing, you know, and that little rickety Reynolds wrap set of stairs, you know. No, you're injected into these airplanes. Yeah, they just got a big tube, goes right up to the side, and the people are squirted into it, you know. You don't see the airplane. The whole bit about flying today is they don't want you to know you're in an airplane. It's just like an extension of the Pan Am building. Muzak is playing the whole bit, you know. And I'm sitting there with this guy. And he's looking out of the window. And I've got my old traveler look on my face. I've got a special look, this kind of look. Notice the sadness around my eyes. A man who's seen too much. A man who has been through hell and knows it. And I'm drinking my drink. And he says, this reminds me of my flight to Athens last week. I said, yeah. <laughs> I know that flight well. You know, Charlie's down there by the garage when you get off the plane there. He's got nice wilted lettuce. <laughs> yes. I said, gee, you know, it's funny, uh, when I was in Lima last week, he saw Lima, of course, Lima, I never, of course you all go to the Colombian room down there, I was talking to Emil there last week, these two old travelers are discussing the world that they live in, the first class airplane, star flight, golden arrow, jet world that takes us all around this globe, first class expense account all the way. And you never ask each other what you do. That can be dangerous. But so he says, I, on my way to Berlin. I'm dropping by Frisco a couple of days, and then I'm going to Berlin. Haven't been to Berlin for a long time now. It's been over two weeks. <laughs> I wonder if the old place has changed much. I said, no, the wall's there yet. I was a couple of weeks there, that great old wall. I wrote some stuff on it, and I... We're talking away there. And finally, my friend, who is an innocent, says, What do you do? <laughs> well, the guy looks a little bit. He says, Well, we're building a new plant in Berlin. <laughs> Putting up a new operation there. And my friend, still a klutz, says, What do you do? What are you going to make in the plant there? <laughs> He's eager, trying to make conversation. And so help me, I'm raising my hand. You wouldn't believe it. He said, well, it's a worldwide operation. I just got back from Buenos Aires. We put in a beautiful plant down there. <laughs> Building a new one, all automated, you know. Berlin. Got my engineer back in tourist. <laughs> you kind of know then, you know. You hear a little mule up there discontent. The guy with the plans is back there laying under three little old ladies and a kid who's throwing up. And he says, well, this new plant, you know, is a great, fantastic miracle. We're all automated, you know. It's not like the old days when I first started in the business. And we're getting hungry. What does he do? Yeah, he says, we've got it all automated, never touched by human hands. Now I'm sucked in. <laughs> what is it that ain't touched by human hands, you know? <laughs> and, 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 and Jimmy says, well... well just what are you making the plant there? He said, oh, uh, I'm one of the uh, original creators of Silly Putty. 
I'm telling you the truth. Somewhere he's on his way over the ocean tonight to inspect the new Silly Putty Works in Berlin. And then the whole thing collapses. Yes, I'm in Silly Putty myself. He says, what do you do? I said, well, I tell jokes at the Limehouse. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that one brief moment of reality, and somehow I, I learned something about the world. They're building silly putty plants all over, the, all over the globe. Maybe that's because at the first day of this year, President Johnson designated this as International Cooperation Year. Did you know that that's what it is, gang? Oh, yeah, they're fist fighting in Calcutta. The North Vietnamese are yelling at the South Vietnamese. China is hollering at India. De Gaulle is making sounds through his nose. And it's International Cooperation Year. <laughs> you ready to cooperate, gang? You think you are? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, you know, perhaps I should preface this by saying that I was on my way to San Francisco, and I have come to realize, as I often do when I travel, that we are three or four different countries. And San Francisco and all of that West Coast is in another world. How long has it been since you've been there? Well, I had never been to San Francisco. I'm all excited, you know. I've been to Southern Cal, and they've been telling me that San Francisco is the garden spot of the universe. This is where life begins. The plane comes down, you see the bay down there. Oh, it's beautiful. San Francisco looks like it's spilled down from the oceans. You know, you can see those hills. Off in the distance, you see the mountains. You see the lights out there at Alcatraz? <laughs> it's funny, you know, to sit in the middle of paradise and they say, that's Alcatraz out there. And you say, gee, it looks like a short swim. And then you learn that there are sharks, shoulder to shoulder, all watching San Francisco. You know? By the way, are you aware that San Francisco has had to put in special laws about skateboards? They keep finding people in the bay <laughs> they shoot four blocks right up in the air and out, you know. It's a wild place. Well, I want to tell you, I'm, I'm giving you a report, though. Maybe you don't know what is going on in the West Coast. I'm serious. I'm going to give you a little report here. I, I arrive in this, the intellectual capital of America. And I'm not there five minutes. I go in to see this guy, who's the official man who's greeting me. Big businessman. He's in charge of a $40 million operation. He says, hi, Shep. <laughs> you know, they're very informal out there. Very informal. They've got, they've, got all, they've got all kinds of informalities. For example, one of their big informalities is, a, is the bow tie that's crooked. They do this purposely. They say, come on, Shep, let's go out and have a little lunch. And so we get into his car. Now, get this. Of course, getting into a car in San Francisco is like getting into a biplane with a bad engine. You're going up. Oh, and he, you know, they love this. You know, in San Francisco, they love to go straight up, and when they hit the crest of the hill, the car goes, boom, up like that. He says, boy, watch the clutch in this one. 
goes boom like that, and three cars go under us while we're up. <laughs> it's my new Mustang. She takes off, boy. And we go whipping along like that, and we finally arrive in front of our lunch. Now, wait, I want to tell you where we went to. We went to a Chinese restaurant. And, of course, in San Francisco, the food is unbelievable. It's like it has descended from heaven. And there are all kinds of Chinese objet d'art on the wall. Everywhere you look. By the way, isn't this typical of our world here? <laughs> this is our symbolic mother. <laughs> and you ought to see the number of hippies that come in through this door two o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, turn white and walk out. <laughs> Well, here's this Chinese restaurant. You know, and I'm a very, you know, I'm a hip type American. I live in America, you know, in the village. We're free thinkers and all that down there. And it's dark. You know how some of these restaurants are dark with just a little light red lights and perhaps a little yellow over here? And they've got beads. I just put the beads. And I've got my coat, you know. I'm wearing one of these little raincoats because it's raining all the time there, see. I got my coat, and I go over to the check room. And I hand her the coat, and the girl is sitting down, see. She's sitting there reading a the book. You know, these check room girls are sitting like this. And she's Chinese, sitting like this. I say, here's my coat. <laughs> and she stands up, and she has absolutely nothing on from the waist up. <laughs> My eyeballs bug, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I caught her there at an off moment, you know. <laughs> you know, embarrassment. She was just hooking herself up or something in the back. I don't know. So I turn around, and my friend, he's not paying no attention to it. See, I don't know what to say. Like, whoo, you know. You know, I don't know what to say. He just walks right on past. Here's this chick, you know, she's standing here with your hat, sir. He's got no hat, you know. You have to make that pass, throw him a quarter, and go. <laughs> have you ever felt that rotten feeling of not having anything to check? When you go in a jazzy restaurant, walk past, and up comes the girl who is going to escort us to our seat. Guess what, gang? <laughs> That's right, baby. <laughs> All the way and two yards wide. Holy smokes, you know, by now I'm, I'm not interested in any, you know, egg foo young or anything anymore. And she takes us past, you know, we walk back. <laughs> you know, all these people are sitting there eating egg rolls and that. They're not looking. I thought, what's the matter? Is it me? The guy I'm with us said nothing. I said, what am I sick? Is it happening now? Have I finally flipped my cork? We sit down in the booth. You know, the, these Chinese restaurants have a special penchant for crummy colors. You know, the, the red oilcloth seats. No matter how, how jazzy the restaurant is, they've got this red oilcloth seat. You sit down there, you know, and I'm waiting, and I'm sweating. You know, my friend is sitting there. He's looking at the menu. He's, by the way, the Moo Guy Pan is great here. Very good, chefs. All right. Make it a real moose. It, uh, very good. Uh, and our waitress showed up. <laughs> and she's got her helper with her. The bus girl. And the two of them arrived, it was like a crowd of beach balls. 
bad living. You know, they come bouncing up like that. That propellers on the front and the whole bit. Oh. I'm sitting there, you know, at a restaurant. Great food here, Chuck, you know. And the girl comes up to me, see, and she's got the menu, and she says, what would you like? Well, I'll tell you, the view was in incredible. I'm looking, you know, looking around like this. You know, let's, you know let's, let me get at the menu, honey, you know. Well, <laughs> I sat there, you know, for about ten minutes after I ordered. I didn't know what to say, seriously. Remember, friends, I've come from the main office. The village. I've come from where it's happening, you know. Life is free, and everybody says, let's get rid of the restrictions. And here in San Francisco, little old ladies come in with the things going, you know. You ought to have seen the 74-year-old cashier. I mean, it was a terrible scene, you know. I was like, like all of a sudden, your mother, Ma, please, you know. Well, I went through this whole lunch like I'm underwater. <laughs> I don't know what to say, you know. I can't say to, you know, this guy, he's paying no attention. Just sitting there stuffing his face, you know. <laughs> drinking a tea, you know, just like on 6th Avenue here, Chinaman Charlie's or whatever that joint is. And he says, gee, isn't this a great egg roll? <laughs> I keep looking around. I can't believe it. Everywhere you look, is going on. Nobody's paying any attention to businessmen. And so finally, we get up to go. The waitress comes over and she says, Everything satisfactory? <laughs> well, what do you say? <laughs> yeah, baby, it's very good. <laughs> and, and I found that in a situation like that, the best thing to do is complain vaguely. Because that shows you've got a clean mind. Because the tea was cold. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. And so I get back to the cash register there, and he's got his diner's club card. I wonder if the diner's club people know what he was charging, you know. <laughs> and he hands her the card, and the old lady goes, boing, and everything goes jiggling, boing, you know. And we get out in the sunshine. There it is. The sun has come through. And there you see the bay. You see those houses climbing up. And you see the purple hills in the distance. We're walking up the street, you know, climbing up. You ever climb up those hills? It's fantastic. Those little old ladies go up like goats. It's incredible. With shopping bags, they're going up, you know. And here I am on my knees, crawling up. It's a wild scene, see. And he says to me, he says, one thing about San Francisco when we're climbing. I said, yeah, Chuck. It's the cleanest city in the country. I suddenly remember that little old lady by the cash register the cleanest city in the country. Well, 15 minutes later, he says to me, you don't mind if I stop by my cleaning establishment to pick up my suit? And I says, no. You know, I figure this is safe. <laughs> we go into the cleaners and there is that chick. Boom, we go, you know. I think by that it's got to be me. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It's got to be me. <laughs> 
And this little gal in there taking the cleaning stuff, you know, she's got the stuff, she pulls down the bags and everything, you know, and she was, well, and she reaches up and And I'd say, Shepard, you're a rotten person. You're a rotten, rotten person. And we get out and get in the cab, and it's a lady cab driver. And on the side it says, Topless Cab Company. And I knew that I have returned to health. Speaking of health, we'll be back in five minutes with a salute to whoopieism. You're going to join me, gang? Yeah!